0: So we did we talked about D and D. We didn't talk about a miniso topic.
1: You did not. Nope Fine.
0: <laughs> Prophet preacher, sermon leader, Richter, reverend, Deacon elder what the hell is a pastor? So the individual, is it even a thing?
1: Is Go. It, is it even a thing? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say that uh the individual the way it's sort of described so like in in kind of popular ways popular mm-hmm. ways or in like um uh oh i don't know uh when when it, the way Ayn rand describes it <laughs> um, uh i think i think is it probably does not exist um you Most mean like of,
0: the kind of libertarian, I can do all, everything I need but for myself, kind of? Yeah. I've never read anything by Ayn Rand, so I don't,
1: uh, I, don't well, know. You need I just to, know to make fun to, of her. You need to leave right now and start reading Atlas Shrugged.
0: No, thank you.
1: Because we can talk about that in a few years after you're done. Um, <laughs> a- a- Atlas Shrugged is, you can kill a man with Atlas Shrugged. That, that's, a, that's a large book. Um, yeah, so... I I actually I everybody knows that I like I really love David Bentley Hart I think he's great and and he's very rude and very funny and he and he makes me laugh um but I but but this is something that I I think I legitimately when I first read some of his work this was a theme that I thought made a ton of sense to me that I, I hadn't really spent a ton of time thinking about until I read I I read uh some stuff by David Bentley Hart on like the person and, 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 you know, the individual and stuff. One of the things that I, that he talks about is, he talks about two things. He, he reminds us in, in his book, this is particularly in in his more recent book on universal salvation. He reminds us that a person is a collection of, you know, a communities and and other persons who pour themselves in you know to them and and is and is made up of relationships and 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 it's a composite thing it's not it doesn't just sort of spring into existence it's something like we know like developmental psychology tells us yeah, obviously we we develop and we, we you know that's all fine but like but like even even the you know the kind of bare ego whatever that is even that is really just this and this is i'm going to try to use D- dbh's words like even that is just sort of like that that like kind of weird diminished shadow of of what it really is which mm-hmm. is this this outpouring of loves i think Hans Urs von balthasar said something like that too like we are made like we spring into existence from from the loves around us like from from the well, the, the, the love of 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 the people around us make us, you know? And so that's, I think, really important. And I think about that a lot uh, that he says. And the other thing really quickly is Dave Bentley Hart talks about, and he's not the only one to talk about this. He's constantly referring to, you know, kind of classical traditions of, of thought. You know, he, he talks about how even our, 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 willing, our, our choice and our, our, our moving forward in choosing is awakened by desire. You know, it's awakened by something prior. It's not just something you can, we can't just spontaneously decide to do something. We must first have that, that thing be, we must first have our desire awakened. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's, there's even a sense that the, the, if the libertarian model of the individual that is this kind of the Ayn Rand model, right? The, the monolith statue that's alive, you know, (laughs) the, 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 I, you know, that, that posits its own destiny and posits its own whatever, uh, that when we consult, you know, who we are, like when we consult, ourselves as people as persons we discover that that that's that doesn't even describe us you know kind of phenomenally right Uh, and so i think that's that's my answer i think about that a lot
0: Hmm.
2: yeah i want to co-sign a lot of that i i think i have basically two things to say about about the question um which is not to say that we need to be done talking about it after i say my two little things but the first thing is that uh like the individual the story we have about ourselves that we're individuals is incoherent and just implausible Mm -hmm. in all the ways that Ethan suggests though interestingly I would have told the story by way of Foucault who's one of my like favorite theorists um, and other sort of critical theorists and psychoanalysts rather than theologians but of course it is possible to do it um, by means of von Balthasar and DBH and uh, all those, all those faves too. Um, Which is just to say that um, the individual, like the word, the word comes from that, which is undivided. Oh yeah. Like the basic, the basic unit of social reality, for instance, and seeing, seeing the person, seeing like me as the basic unit of social reality fails to see how, I am the product of social reality as well, right? It's like a one-way mm-hmm. relationship that focuses on, and this is the problem with like social contractarianism too. It like imagines that we exist in this atomistic way first and then later, like in a in logically late coming fashion, engage in social relationships. When actually there's no such thing as Rick outside of loves, though I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that love is the only thing that forms us. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and uh, like who, who I am and what I am only makes sense in a network of relationships that are social and political and economic and everything else, which is part of like getting back to what I said in our uh, larger, larger conversation. Like the reason that the distinction between public and private or personal and political is so thorny is that like <laughs> there aren't sort of sharp distinctions between what's personal and what's political what's public and what's private like all of these things exist within and among us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and even I mean even considered on ourselves we are not undivided for all the reasons you know that Ethan talking about desire and like psychoanalysts would say like there are deep divisions within us that implicate us in the world around us in all sorts of ways um, So I just find the individualism sort of implausible. But the second thing I want to say is this, that like progressive Christians for as long as I've known progressive Christians have been, um, making something called individualism, their bad object, which is Mm -hmm. like, this is the thing out here. That's the problem. And I'm going to be defined over and against it. And that's fine. It's, it is bad. Um, but, uh, I'm thinking here of this uh, book by, I guess you would call her a queer theorist, Miranda Joseph, uh, Against the Romance of Community. Um, Mm -hmm. Some people solve that problem by just invoking community, right? And community is important. There are lots of healthy, beautiful things we get in community and nowhere else. Um, But there is a way of denigrating the individual or individualism that forgets the important prerogatives of the person of like of a body over and against community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And because, because that gesture has a degraded analog in a kind of libertarianism, I think we can lose sight of sort of what's good about it. And, and we all know uh, after a moment's reflection that there are destructive and harmful forms of community as well. Sure. Uh, And so I think um, think a couple things in relation to that. First, behind both individual and community, we should see structures Mm -hmm. like the patterned regularities of social existence that weave between and weave together individuals and communities. And also we should, um, those of us who are skeptical of the individual, as I am, uh, should be careful not to think the solution is just in togetherness on any terms, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is like um, talk about someone who's not especially popular in theological circles these days, like Tillich, Paul Tillich, Mm. uh, who has all kinds of problems and um, should not, should not be one of your unproblematic faves because he is definitely problematic. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Um, I think Tillich is right to see among his polarities, like individuation and participation, Mm -hmm. like this basic sort of back and forth that we have to go through. And that in an estranged way, um, these things can be pulled apart and like work against each other in our lives. But that in a, in a thriving human life, there is a strong sense of who I am and a strong sense of who we are and how those things sort of Mm -hmm. relate to each other. And so, um, there are certain kinds of celebration of individuality that I don't mind. That I think are that I think are actually healthy, and mm. and they should probably have a different name. Uh, but and this is why, like, when I when I talk about political spirituality in my book, for instance, I'm thinking about a uh, politics of the subject rather than mm. the individual. Mm. Because it just it's an attempt to like move us into another discourse like let's just hip check the individual and talk about like, here's here's how I'm thinking about subjectivity, which is of course, liable to all the same kinds of implication in the world, but like, um, subjectivity is important. So, Mm -hmm.
0: um, yeah. That was, uh, Ian will be delighted to know that you both agree with him (laughs) Um, because he brought it up, uh, by saying that like the individual doesn't exist, like hard stop, it's not a thing. Um, and I was very adamant that, um, while we are like, as we've been saying, while we're defined by kind of these relations, there is still a. Person in a body, right? We are still this kind of self contained entity. And there's no getting away from the fact that I and my body will never experience what y'all and y'all's bodies experience. And so there's no way to completely get rid of um, the subjectivity or the, the particularity of an individual's existence. Um, even though we are like so enmeshed in other things that it's uh, a, as we love to say at Wesley, it's like a both and. But um, at the same time, like there is something about just the, the self containedness of, of a person. Um, we were thinking his thought experiment was like, say there is a person who never encounters any other human being. Would that person even have like, um, that would that person have language would that person have a sense of self would that person be able like how would that person define themselves which i think is a a more of a sociological question than a theological question and probably something we can't answer um but i was very adamant that like that person is still going to have a like thoughtful experience in the world it's just not going to be able to communicate that experience to all of us if it were to ever meet us um because we have we're so enmeshed in like the currently existing social communication that we have hmm. and i don't know if y'all want to go jump off of that if we want to talk more about community but that was my insistent was like even if there was only one person on the on the planet and their parents have died when they were born or whatever and so they've never met another human um that, like, your human relationships aren't what define you, because you're still going to have a relationship with creation around you. Theoretically, you're going to have a relationship with your creator in some way, shape, or form. And so um, you never get to, we aren't totally made up of our social relationships, our, our people-to-people relationships. There's always something else.
2: Hmm. So thank you. I think I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying, Joe. Um, and you can you can invoke this against the end if you like. Um, Great. Right. <laughs> uh we need some way of talking about um the maybe the person is is like one way to go, um mm-hmm. who has like legitimate claims over and against the collective. Um we need to talk about like the the goodness and rightness of your bodily integrity over and against community for instance and um the fact that there's a biological <clears throat> there's a biological grounding to personality and sociality that um can't be reduced to what we learn discursively what mm-hmm. we're taught like language even affect though affect is also biological. Um, and so all of that, all of, all of that I think is well taken. I think, I think the thing is that your example or, uh, Ian's example of, um, the like desert Island human, uh, that shows that that person can't be an individual, right? Hmm. That, that person, uh, because you can only be an individual if you're, uh, an atomic unit of a social whole and the point of the thought experiment there is to um, generate someone who's not a part of a social whole like the individual is uh, a discursive position it's like Mm a it's Mm -hmm. an imagined segment of a social whole and so the point of that is specifically not to imagine an individual but to imagine whatever it is that underlies our whole social imagination, and that person uh, that that human body would have all kinds of experiences that are similar to ours. They would be connected to uh, the natural world around them, and presumably to God in ways that might be difficult for us to represent um, but uh, I think you know, straining against like the sort of artificial character of the thought experiment a little bit. Um, We wouldn't, we wouldn't want to see that as like a a thriving and complete human life. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you stipulate, I mean, I want to be like extremely careful about ableism and like what, what's required. But if you abstract sociality completely out of a human life, um, I think something something in us is going to say that we've uh, lost something crucial uh, in understanding mm. how we come to be. It also mm. just matters, like, in a very material sense, that uh, that person wouldn't survive, right? Right. I mean, humans are, as Ethan knows well, vulnerable through uh, years of early life. And um, yeah. Actually, actually, need something of that socialization to
1: live a to live a human life that mm-hmm. survives. I didn't know where you were going with that for a second, Rick. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I had I had a kid. That's yeah, right. you had a kid. That's what I mean. <laughs> that was uh, was, that was, was like,
2: academic speak for uh, <laughs> right, Ethan's parents. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. I this this conversation is making me think about um, some of the recent comments that that John Milbank made on twitter did you see any of that i know (laughs)
2: yeah i did
0: (laughs) i don't know who this human is so uh
1: so john milbank is a a british theologian who is sort of at the center of what's called radical orthodoxy oh which which i think i think that that every uh white person should probably get to know who's interested in theology should probably read radical orthodoxy at some point so that you can get through the the phase of wow this makes a ton of sense and then and then you think more about it and you're like well I mean,
0: it's like everybody has their c.s lewis phase in college and and we go past it
1: (laughs) yeah now i think if john milbank was here listening to this he'd explode but (laughs) (laughs) comparing comparing the two things but uh then there are still some folks that I that I personally like that I think are radical orthodox adjacent that I mm-hmm. that I appreciate, but that's besides the point. But anyway, John Milbank he um, made comments on Twitter a few days ago about the, what he calls themed theologies where, where he, and, and by themed theologies for him are like anything that's not exactly what he's doing at that exact moment. But, but like the, he names, you know, liberation theologies, queer theologies, um, you know, feminist theology, stuff like that as these themed theologies. And, um, and I'm now he, 10
0: times angrier than I was before.
1: Great. Yes. Yes. And he uh uh makes comments, I'm paraphrasing, but he makes comments like, you know, these are, of course, def- not only deficient, but like you don't really have to think that hard to do them. This is just a a, a ploy to get tenure or a ploy to get, you know, uh, hired. And 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 these are kind of these are kind of eh. You know, they're they're not really they're not really worth worth anyone's time. And um, it, it, it's interesting because like I I think that if John Milbank were here. Uh, to defend himself, I don't think he would try to defend himself. I think he'd just say he's right, and that would just be that. <laughs> but, but, like, there's a sense in which it seems to me that um, he, he might see these things as be, these themes. Um, well, I'm not going to speak for John Milbank. I'll just talk what, what I see. Like there, there's a sense that I see where some folks might see the, 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 the kind of contextual theology as being, um, I'm going to say, uh, anti-individual in like that, um, uh, in that bad sense, right? Like that kind of community overtakes the person and and wipes away because you're defining yourself purely on, on your um, uh, uh your community, right? Like, like je- I can see a critique like that, and maybe I can see Milbank seeing that. I don't know, but like when we when we consider like the person kind of as this collection of loves or of power or of 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 social relations the social construction of the person uh in a good sense like these sort of themed theologies then themed i'm just using millbank i would never use these th- this way these kind of themed theologies then create like really robust you know individuals like James Cone is is not uh, when James Cone you know reading James Cone's theology we don't get this sense that James Cone is sort of speaking um, as as somebody who isn't a robust person you know he's speaking in his location as a as a black person and and from that location, not only has a strong sense of who James Cone is, but also has a strong sense of how he sees the world, and 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 the rigor of his theology and, and things like that. And and from that perspective, it makes sort of Millbank's radical orthodox theology all the more um, diminished because there isn't this kind of strong sense. In Millbank, of of where he's located, and, and the, the 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 social relationships that make up radical orthodoxy. Uh, some of the radical orthodox adjacent folks that I that I like, um, I think are less like that. But but Millbank is Millbank has this massive book called Theology and Social Theory that's on my that's on my desk that I've read, admittedly only half of, uh, <laughs> because it's massive. Uh, and, and that's just not his thing at all. Like Milbank kind of sees theology as the queen of the sciences, that like, that like everything is sort of a counter theology, that, that social theory is just sort of a really bad theology or, or, you know, and so on and so on and so on. So he kind of sees the, the kind of reclaiming of theology done, particularly in the Augustinian tradition as he sees it. Uh, as as the the correct orientation of like social and political relationships and all that all that good stuff
0: right, the correct orientation is one that's based in the white male experience
1: right he would not put it that way but but, but that's, that's what, what i'm he, hearing that is yeah. what you're hearing
2: <laughs> no it's it's a story of decline and fall, like Thomas Aquinas dies, and we're the rest, the rest of us for all of time are left to the vicissitudes of horrible nominalism and <laughs> uh every, so th- so what you both said there was amazing because i definitely had a c.s lewis phase in college mm-hmm. <laughs> and i definitely had a milbank phase in my master's degree uh and <laughs> like you know that you know that twitter meme of like i'm in this tweet and i don't like it um right. Right. <clears throat> very much my experience of that moment uh so so like here's uh here's the way i think about this um Adon- Adorno. Writes this book called *The Minimum Moralia*, which is a, a book that is uh, has its many flaws, but is still near and dear to my heart. And uh, I think the most insightf- one of the most insightful things in that book, is the idea that if you want to understand life in its immediacy, you have to examine it in its estranged form, subject to powers and structures. Which is which, to my sort of younger mind, meant Rick, you're trying to understand yourself by means of this sort of direct interiority and existentialism and everything else. And actually there's something really important in going the long way around and understanding yourself in terms of structures like race and class and gender. And um, what you said about Cone, Ethan strikes me as that sort of, um, Um. that sort of form of self insight that actually not just an honest like accounting of oneself and one's interiority, but an interesting one like mm-hmm. in, involves having a robust account of who you are in history. And Milbank has been a famous theologian for at least 25 years now since he was at the university of Virginia indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. uh, and um, <laughs> he has had many opportunities, many opportunities to, um, rethink whether or not his theology is unthemed
1: Mm
2: -hmm. right because the point uh the point that's immediately available to us and i I don't think we're like just beholden to an ideology here is that uh actually the idea of an unthemed theology is um god's knowledge of god's self which john milbank doesn't have access to, to i regret
1: to inform
0: boom right.
2: and, uh, <laughs> doesn't.
1: You, would, you should listen to some John Milbank uh, uh, lectures Joe because they are infuriating <laughs> yeah. I already
0: have enough fury in my life I don't know that I need it
1: <laughs> the, last time,
2: the last time I saw him in, in person he ran out of time and just concluded by saying so bring back Christendom I know you hate it uh, and, but it's the only I mean he thinks like only Christianity is an ontology of peace and et cetera, et cetera." Et cetera. And so um, it's highly dubious. So, so there's, there was this thrill for me in like the first year of my MA, reading Milbank and having words put to my sense that something of secularity's self-presentation shouldn't be trusted. That mm. like you could, find, you could find theology cryptically in places that understood themselves not to be doing something theological. And insofar as that's what he's saying, he's saying a lot more than that. But insofar as that's Mm -hmm. what he's saying, I think there's something to it. Mm -hmm. But I think you find a a richer historical account of that when you understand secularity in terms of its investments in race and capitalism and things like that. When you, like a more historical account, Mm then if only we could go back to 1274, uh, all would be well. Right.
0: Right. Hmm. (laughs) I, uh, I so I don't have another topic. We're almost at the, the limit of a mini-sode anyway. Um, so th- th- this was all great. This was, what an interesting foray into a, uh both like interesting ways of rethinking the individual or the person and also just a somebody who i never need to interact with because i'm now enraged because of him um <laughs> do y'all have any any final thoughts to throw in anything that we that you were like oh i was hoping to say this and then we moved on on the topic of of anything we've talked about in this spinae zone Nope, nope, Just to thank
2: you for, for having me on and uh, uh, an encouragement. I mean, one of, the, one of the treats I get in listening to this podcast is listening to how you both have thought about your work and mm. what your vocations are in the world. And I appreciate that. It feels like, candidly, it feels like it redeems my work. Like, it, <laughs> like if there's any value in what I do, it's the value that folks like you uh, bring to the world. Um, and I want to encourage you and, uh, and, and vote for what you're doing
0: thanks well thank you yeah that means a lot and we would love to have you back on the podcast whenever you have time and we have new thoughts so
1: all right we'll do it
0: all right well ethan do you want to sign us off for the minisode
1: sure friends this has been a minisode of what the hell is a pastor we are spanks reebok the dude and the ox man and we will see you next time
0: And
2: then I had this thought a little while ago about how um, getting two Bartians in the same room is like, uh, you always have to roll for conflict. Um, mm-hmm. So like in the best case, they'll just get entangled in a sort of tedious exegetical conversation, but in the worst right. case, they'll no longer be on speaking terms. Sure. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's like a, that's like a theology D&D role.